to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Adam said that you could take a nap during my sermon. So if I start preaching, I'm just trying to wake you up. And you can take a nap if you really need it. I'm okay with that. Also, Francis apologized for his voice. But I wouldn't have a problem if you wanted to come up here and just read my notes to us this morning. Then all of us could take a nap. You just have this very soothing voice. Sick or not, I'll take it. (laughs) Then you can't take a nap. (laughs) How y'all doing? Okay, okay. As Adam mentioned, uh, we are in a series called Trinity. Uh, Adam kicked us off last week, and he looked at the nature of God as Trinity and how that impacts or influences our relationship with God. And as we get started, I have a question for y'all. Do you ever have a week when things seem to be weighted against you? Maybe you have said it, or maybe you have heard it said It just seems like the universe is working against me today or this week or this month. How many of you have heard that said or have said that yourself? Okay, so I'm in the company of friends. I had one of those weeks this week. Could I share just a little glimpse into my week? Is that okay? Okay, so I had to set up an espresso machine this Saturday for the Burlington Farmer's Market. And I was doing everything in my power to make sure that the espresso machine was going to be set up properly. And one of the things I needed to do, I needed to secure a fitting. And this fitting was a piece that I needed to connect a plumbing line. So I needed to essentially connect a water source to the espresso machine. Now, if you know me, you know that I am completely useless when it comes to things like this. And so I'm doing my best. I'm reading, I'm watching YouTube videos, I'm reading manuals, that sort of thing. And I head to Home Depot and I get this fitting for the espresso machine. I go back to connect it to the water source. It's the wrong fitting. Okay. This is a wrong fitting. I go to get in my car to go back to the hardware store and the battery in the car is dead. So I go to find someone who can jump my car. I find someone who can jump my car. I go to jump the car. But the battery is completely dead. It will not jump. So I need to replace the battery. From there, I go to my tool set, which has uh, some sockets and socket wrench and all sort of tool thingies. I don't know the proper names for all of those. I know what they look like. I know what some of them can do. Someone had borrowed my tool set and had misplaced the proper tool that I needed to take the battery out of the car, that I needed to go to the store and replace a battery. From there, I called my friend Ben, who had the proper tools, to help me remove the battery from the car and go to Costco, where I could get a replacement for the battery, which was still under warranty. Praise God for that, right? Okay, so I have something at least to praise God for in this situation. And from there... I head, I get the battery replaced. I head back 
to the hardware store, and in the chaos and frustration of all of that, I find the part, and I go to check out, and I leave my wallet. I have, I'd left my wallet at the cafe. And at which stage it would have been too late to get to the hardware store uh, the proper time. The hardware store is going to be closed by the time I made it back to the hardware store. It's past 9 p.m. So from there, this is now, I think, the third or fourth trip to the hardware store. Before I head to the hardware store, I call the equipment manufacturer because I want to ensure that I have the right piece for the plumbing. I call them. They tell me the right piece that I need, the right size, this bolt thingy-majiggy. I figure it out. I go and I secure the piece. I purchase it. I don't forget my wallet. I bring it back. It, the manufacturer had given me the wrong part number, essentially, for the piece that I needed. I needed to go to a specialty uh, plumbing store to find this piece, at which point uh, the, the store was only going to be open about an hour before I needed it to be set up. I have Luann go and get the piece for me while I'm setting up. Luann gets the piece for me. I connect it, and it is leaking. Right? So Some of us can relate to weeks like that, right? Where it just seems like the universe is weighted against me. Now, what on earth does that have to do with Trinity, right? The Trinity is not just a theological, it's not even a theological problem that needs to be solved. It's a, it's the, a community of unified persons to be engaged. And one of the beautiful things about coming to church is we get to proclaim truths about who God is to one another. And if you have the microphone up front, sometimes that is proclaiming a truth to yourself as well. And I actually believe this. I believe this about God, and I believe this about God as Trinity, that if God is Trinity, it has implications for how we are shaped and formed as individuals and also how we are shaped and formed as a community in our relationship with God and our relationship with each other as a community and also in our relationship with the world around us. So more than a theological truth, Trinity is a community of love, person, or persons that are united together as, that make up one. It's a mystery to be engaged. Richard Rohr says it this way, and I have this quote for you because it's a money quote. Richard Rohr says this, if God is Trinity and Jesus is the face of God, then it is a benevolent universe. God is not someone to be afraid of, but the ground of being and on our side. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen, Richard Rohr. So the emphasis for this morning's sermon is on how God being Trinity shapes us as a church community, shapes our posture and our mission in the world. So how does God being Trinity shape our posture, our actions in the world? Is a kind of a, a question, a centering question for this morning's sermon that we're going to be exploring. Because I believe this. I believe this, that if God's Trinity, our mission as a church should be motivated by the sacrificial love of God that's revealed in the Trinity. 
And we'll get to what I mean by that. And that actually has implications and actually forms us in our work as a church to focus on our community, our community's work in the work of reconciliation and works of justice, etc. Now, I know Adam promised this series wasn't going to be for the theological nerds, but I have two nerdy words for y'all, if y'all are okay with that. You're okay with that? That I want to introduce you to this morning, and I want to introduce you to these words, not because they're nerdy or because they, I, I want to communicate these words because they actually communicate a powerful picture of a mission shaped in the image of God revealed as Trinity. The first word is this, perichoresis. The first word is this, perichoresis. Perichoresis is de- derived from actually two Greek words, peri, which means around or rotate. So you might have seen like peri-peri chicken. It's like rotisserie chicken, right? Okay, I shouldn't talk about food. Y'all are going to get hungry. So peri means around and corin, which means to make room for or to go forward. Corin is where we get the English word choreography, speaking of choreography and and dance. And it's a theological word that attempts to capture the nature of God revealed in in the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. How these three united persons relate to one another. The reality that God exists as infinite unity and relationship. Perichoresis communicates this idea that Trinity reveals uh, not only a theological truth, but a divine dance of sorts, right? There's a relationship that takes place between the members of the Trinity. So we see this word used historically in the theological writings of uh, the church fathers, but it communicates more than that, a truth that we see in scripture. So I'm going to read a selection of, of uh, writings from the gospel and from New, New Testament scriptures that highlight this idea of perichoresis. This is not just a theological word, but this is actually a relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit that we see in scripture. And so I'm going to be reading some of these scriptures. And as I do, I'm going to have projected on the screen an image And this image is from a 15th century. We can project that now. This is from a 15th century artist named Andre Rublev. Abby informed me that it is the most famous uh, religious paintings to come out of Russia, which is fascinating. And she gave me a really interesting article on, like, the symbolism of the different things in the Trinity. So maybe I can include that link in our podcast. How many of you would appreciate that? I'll do it if y'all want it. Okay. A few of you, that's enough to get it in the podcast description. So that will be there. Um, And uh, it's been used as an icon historically in the Orthodox Church. It's a very famous painting. And so as I read these scriptures, I'm just going to invite you to reflect on this image. If you're not a very image-driven person, you can reflect on the words, on the scripture, or maybe you're some perfect combination of both, and you want to reflect on the scripture and the image together at the same time. And so I'm just going to invite you, as I read this, to reflect and go wherever you want to reflect and go. Is that okay? Okay, these are from John 14. 
Jesus is speaking to his disciples. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. He who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You live also. So this next set is a set of excerpts from John 17 when Jesus is praying. I do not ask on behalf of those, these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. This is from 2 Corinthians in chapter 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be with you all. Now question. As I was reading those scriptures or as you were reflecting on Rublev's painting here, or Rublev's icon, was there anything that jumped out to you about those scriptures or about the icon itself? They don't have to be connected you are welcome to respond. Yes. Unity. Yeah. Anyone else? Deference. Deferring to one another. I gave the definition of deference because I have to remind myself what that meant. <laughs> Just so y'all know, it wasn't for you. It's a great word. Anyone else? Okay. I'm not going to force you. Let's move on. There is a bond. There's a union between the persons of the Trinity. A bond, I would say, that's not just shared characteristics, but it's a bond that's woven into the fabric or the DNA, you might say, of who God is. And that's this. It's love. That's the bond. That's the fabric that unites the members of the Trinity together. And I'll say this. Love not in a sentimental, sappy sense, but there's a type of love that we see here in the persons of the Trinity. It's, it's a agape love, you might say, or it is an infinitely self-giving and sacrificial love. And you might be wondering what Trinity, as a divine dance, perichoresis, a community of love, has anything to do with what I stated was our primary mission for this, this morning's discussion, right? Was to ask how this forms us, shapes us in our posture, in our mission towards the world around us. 
But the answer is that it has everything to do with our mission as a church community. It has everything to do with it. In the same way that Trinity reflects endless, self-giving, sacrificial love of God, we are called as a community to, who's aspiring at least to follow Jesus, to have our mission catalyzed in sacrificial love. That's the foundation for what we are called to be and do, and we're to find our mission in that image as a church community. And also, for those of us who might be present here this morning who are not following Jesus, God revealed as a community of love. To me, that becomes a compelling image that can captivate us to who God is, to step into relationship with God. And hopefully our church community does its messy best, right, to reflect that image to you. C.S. Lewis says this, speaking of perichoresis and God revealed as Trinity. And he he writes this in, in a book called Mere Christianity. He says this, and I think we have this for you as well. Yeah, we do. In Christianity, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama. Almost a kind of drama. Almost, if you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. I don't think you're irreverent, C.S. Lewis. Maybe some of us do. I like it, though. Tim, Killer, Tim Keller wrote this in The Reason for God. Tim Keller has some killer quotes for us. <laughs> I see you. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are pouring love and joy and adoration into the other. Each one serving the other they are infinitely seeking one another's glory so god is infinitely happy and if it's true that this world has been created by this triune god then ultimate reality is a dance can i get an amen my brothers and sisters tim keller is gonna preach and so that first nerdy theological word i give you is perichoresis. Y'all are paying attention. I love it. Okay. As we wrap up this section, just exploring what this means about how we should be formed in the image of a triune God in our mission and posture towards the world. One more nerdy word. Is that okay? Okay. The next word is a kenosis. Can you say it with me? Kenosis. Okay, it's derived from the Greek word kenoo, and it means to empty. And this theological word actually comes from one specific verse. We find it in Philippians 2, which is actually a record of one of the, the most ancient Christian songs or Christians, Christian hymns. Paul uses it in his letter to the Philippians, but it's actually a hymn. And so they are doing what together? They are proclaiming truth about who God is so that they can be formed in their mission as a church community, right? And so it's a beautiful stanza. And as I do, I'm going to give you all another piece of art. This is from Scott Erickson. If you follow him on Instagram, he's known as Scott the Painter. And this is Scott Erickson's Trinity icon. And so while I read Philippians 2, where we get this idea of kenosis or emptying, um, 
I'm going to invite you to engage the scripture or engage this icon if you prefer. Philippians 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves do not merely look out for your own personal interests but also the interests of others have this attitude in yourselves which was also in christ jesus have this attitude in yourselves which was also in christ jesus who although he existed in the form of god did not regard equality with god something to be grasped but emptied himself Kanoed himself, right? Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, our Father. What a powerful image, right? And what a powerful scripture. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. And so Trinity not only reveals God as a community of love, but specifically a community of sacrificial love. That's the form that God's love takes on, a sustaining outflow and inflow of sacrificial love. I think we could keep that image up for a little bit more. Never in the interest of self, but always in the interest of one another. The Trinity is completely and infinitely united in the giving of love, not only to one another, but to all of creation. And that includes you. That includes you. Amen. Amen. Now, what if we were a community not only shaped by that truth, but shaped to become that truth for the world? Like, what could this look like for our church community. Another quote for you from a theologian named Ruth Padilla de Borst. She says this, speaking of the love that we see and observe between the members of the Trinity. This love is not an ethereal, unsubstantial, emotional state that ebbs and flows with convenience and desire, but a radical commitment of mutual submission service, and unified action in God's world. Can I get an amen? I love this. Keller, Lewis, divorced, preaching for me this morning. Now, in more ways than we can count, our world doesn't reflect this reality, right? Our world doesn't always reflect uh, the community of love, endless sacrificial giving, considering one another over your own personal interest. Can we agree with that? Our world doesn't always reflect that in many ways, right? 
which is why I believe it's so important that we catch either for the first time or in a new way, a fresh vision of the Trinity as presented in scripture. The Trinity is revealed as perichoresis, a community of love. And the Trinity is revealed through kenosis, emptying, self-giving, always acting in the service of the other. This frames our mission or has the power to frame our mission as a church community if we allow it, if we invite it in. So let's focus on, as we conclude, just specifically how the Trinity focuses our, our mission as a church community, because I actually think it flows out of our church community in focusing our work in works of reconciliation, works that bring people together, and in works of justice, seeing restoration, renewal in our world, right? In Jesus's great commission in Matthew 28, he says this to his followers. He says, all power and authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of who? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And lo and behold, I am with you even to the end of the ages. And so he starts out this, what we call the great commission. This is what he's saying. If you're following me, your community should look like this. He says, all authority and power have been given to me in heaven and on earth, on the earth. But then through Jesus's life, he has already defined what power looks like as a man on mission who has been given power and authority. What does power and authority look like in the life of Jesus? Power and authority for Jesus looks like laying his life down for others, even death on a cross, right? And so we are invited then as a church community in that same authority, in that same power, to empty ourselves as a church community for the world, baptizing them what? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We're inviting a broken world to find unity, to find relationship with God through the power and authority that exists in the members of the Trinity that then invite us to pour ourselves out for the world. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Ruth Padilla DeBoer says this, that a faulty concept of the Trinity results in this. A, be, a poor concept of Trinity. She says this, it results in justification of top-down structures of dominion in the church and the family. She says this, it legitimizes male domination over women. She says this, it legitimizes white domination over people of color, exploitation of the poor, plunder of creation, she then goes on to say, does it surprise us that we use language, speaking of uh, crusaders, onward Christian soldiers, conquest, etc., in our church community, and that all of this can actually result from a faulty concept of the Trinity. Now, we're talking that Trinity is not just a theological concept. It's not a problem to be solved. It's a truth about who God is, and that has all all the power, all the impact to shape us who we are as a community. Could I get Rublev's icon again as we conclude? This means the church is on mission with Christ when we are inversing the top-down structures of dominion we see on the world. The church is on mission with Trinity. When the church is truly on mission, we're confronting male domination over women. We're confronting white 
supremacy, racism, exploitation of the poor. Trinitarian mission compels the church to participate in creation care, not just because we are concerned with the climate crisis, but actually creation care becomes a response to a God who is revealed as a community of love and created a world actually as an outflow of that love. Adam talked about that last week, um, so if you missed that, sorry about that. There's an invitation for us then to become a community that find ourselves at the table. Um, One of the things I see when I reflect on this icon is there's room, there's space, there's an opportunity, there's an invitation, much like there's room and space around this table here, which the arts team is uh, putting together a different uh, table set up inspired by Rublev's icon for each week we will be preaching through this series, Trinity. And so shout out to uh, Luann, Jen, and Abby for that. But there's room. There's an opportunity for us as a community, for us as individuals to approach the table. And so as we wrap up, I'm going to invite the band up. Just a couple questions for us. How are we compelled and confronted by the revelation of God as Trinity? One question. Next question. How have we participated in contributing to a world that isn't as God intended? And more importantly, how would our lives and our church community look if our mission was to be formed and shaped in the image of a triune God, in the perichoresis, in the kenosis, a community of endless sacrificial love? And so I'm going to invite you to stand, and like Adam had us sing last week, we're going to sing the doxology. The doxology is a song referencing the Trinity that Christians have been singing for a long time together. And so I'm going to invite you to to join me in the singing of doxology. Don't worry, I'll move the microphone away from my face. Let's sing doxology together, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Let's sing, church. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 